a son asked his dad, Dad, why don't you ever go to church? He replied to his son, there's no need. I am established in the faith. Later that day, Dad hitched some horses to the buggy. And as they were pulling out of their property, the buggy got mired in the muck and the filth and the mud. And the dad got out of that buggy and worked really hard trying to get that buggy out to no avail. The son, who by the way is 10, looked at his dad and said, they're not going anywhere, daddy. I believe they are established. <laughs> the lesson is called the shape of Scripture. And the first point is the world. Have you ever heard anyone say, I'm spiritual, but I don't go to church? I may have mentioned this example. I can't remember anymore, but I was looking in my rear view mirror and noticed a lady coming out of the grocery store here in town. Well, some of her groceries fell out of her bag, so I decided to turn around and, and go pull up by her and say, hey, do you need some help? She looked at me as she was walking through the street. I don't know you, and I don't usually talk to people I don't know. Well, I said, come on in, you'll get to know me pretty fast. So I took her to the house, and I asked her, I said, hey, you're welcome to come to church with us. She says, I'm spiritual, but I don't go to church. There are others who believe going to church is for those people. You know, in some households, it's for the, the wife and the children. Maybe they see, that is, the world sees we as Christians through our daily week and go, well, that person says they're a Christian, but they sure don't act like it during the week. The reality is the worldly are looking. The question is, are you the example God wants you to be? It's true, the people of the world don't live according to the shape of Scripture. I love that phrase now. The shape of Scripture, at least in totality, they may say, do good to others. Aren't we grateful for that? If we have neighbors, instead of being mean, they're, they do good to each other. That's a nice thing. They share, people share. We learned that in school, share, or we learned that with the siblings as we don't want to share and our parents tell us to share anyway. Be kind. Rewind when we had those VHS stores. You know, they're picking up bits and pieces of good things. There's no doubt about it. This world would be much worse if it weren't for those who are doing nice things throughout the week. But do they implement God's lifestyle of obedience? Matthew chapter 7, verse 21.
Matthew 7, verse 21. I'm there. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So they look at you, you who follow Christ, and they look at you both judging and seeking at the same time. We have a job, don't we? We have a pretty big job, actually. Represent God. Now, I don't know about you, but I know our elders here understand that concept deeply. Represent God. Now, is that just for the elders? No, that's for everybody. Absolutely everybody. But how do we represent God? Well, it's supposed to be in the shape of Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16. As obedient children, do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Leads us to our second point, the church. The church can be described in many ways, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the family of God. We are special people. Why are we so special? Because of Christ. Do you realize, on a side note, that as creation is, you are the most valuable creation God has. He gave everything for you. He died for you. And when you accepted that and were obedient to what He wanted you to do, well, I'm just telling you, you are special in the best way possible. Christ, as our Lord and Savior, said, Look at this picture. Look at this design. And of course, I'm referring to Scripture, right? That is my church. That is my people. The picture we look at is what is found in God's Word. Love. Forgiveness, all the colors that come with following Christ and all the fragrances of worship and life to God. These are found in the apostles' teachings. 
Of course, we live in a world that says we need to change that fragrance a little bit, don't we? Let's add some lemon instead of whatever. And that's why I said, according to the apostles' teachings. For we understand that it's so easy to make God's church become something it was never intended to be. We can look at the world and see it. And we can talk to people who say, we need to update the Bible to our times. And so we have a concept when we study Scripture, when we look at the Word of God, and one of those concepts tells us how did the apostles want us to understand that instead of how does my neighbor want me to understand that who lives down the street? So we confine ourselves within a shape, you might say. And this shape was pre-established. We're not allowed to push the shape this way or bring it in this way or shove it up that way. The shape is the shape. And the church is in the shape of Scripture. So what does Scripture say about aspects of the church? I love Bible study. Because we can dig deep, as deep as you want to go, into the Word and go, hey, ah, the shape is much more clear now as opposed to what it could be. So, getting off my side note there, this is Jesus' church. And we need to live according to his standard, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 and following. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Boy, if that isn't some kind of parameter, I don't know what is. It definitely isn't the worldly parameter of things, is it? No. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. And of course, we define love not according to the world, right? But according to what Christ did. How God wants us to understand love. It's been said in the past, and some of you, I've never heard you say it here, and I only recently learned this phrase called the tiny church. Anybody here ever heard of the tiny church? Well, that's how some people called what they referred to as the personal family. We are the church, the people. When we go home, we're kind of a little tiny church, aren't we? The people. What people used to say might be good to say again because it could be a reminder 
of how we are supposed to live outside of Sundays. Does God give us a picture, a design of this group of people? Yeah, yeah, he does. It is supposed to be in the shape of Scripture as well, according to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Of course, in reference to eldership in particular, but generally us also. There is something about living the Christian life at home that impacts your family in the overall big picture. I have heard about, for example, elderships, and this can be applied at home if you want to, but they recognize that their responsibility is not something they earned, per se, something the Holy Spirit allows them to do. So they have a responsibility, don't they? So I've heard of elderships who in their meeting, they'll put a chair next to their table and leave it empty. And it's a reminder to them to go, it's not just us, but Christ is in the room and we're serving Him. Maybe if we put an empty chair at our table at the house, or a picture up above our TV that demonstrates something about this is God's house, what I watch, how I eat, how I talk to each other. Think if Jesus was here with you. Would that make a difference? Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Children, obey your parents. Where does the husband learn to love his wife? From Christ. Where does the wife learn to respect her husband? From Christ. How do children learn to obey? Because we obey the Father. That's how children learn to obey. Because we're showing that we're obedient to what God wants us to do in this life as his church, as his people in a world that's looking at us, at our children that's looking at us, at God who's looking at us and encouraging us to say and do the things he wants us to do. Matthew 7.21. Obedience is part of it. The shape of Scripture, of anything in Scripture that God wants us to do is God's design and we get it in Scripture. And the church, whether it's the tiny church or the church, the people of God, should follow that design. Who here has been perfect so far? No hand. Oh, I'm sorry. No. But that's part of God's design too, isn't it? Recognizing that we need to do better. 
repenting when we're done wrong, encouraging others as we see the day approaching, helping each other. That's all part of God's design too. We're the family of God, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. The last point in the shape of Scripture is the mission. Part of our design comes in mission. Jesus came to the world to do what? To seek and to save the lost, Luke 19.10. Do you realize as a son himself, talking about Jesus, his mission was for his mother too? Just having birth to the Christ did not give her free reign to go to heaven. She was a sinner just like you and I are, and she needed the death of her son to save her as well. Not only did Jesus live and die for you, but he did so for his parents as well. They didn't get off scot-free, not without the blood of Christ. Are you living in the shape of Scripture for your family in all that it means? You can't save for sure, but you can lead people to Christ by following the shape of Scripture. What is my priority? What should be my priority? How should I live? How should I discipline? How should I love and respect? So, what is the shape of Scripture? Three small points, and this is it. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. 1 Peter 3, verse 17. First, it is God's will. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. It's God's will. It's His providence. It's how He's established things. And sometimes it comes in the form of suffering, doesn't it? Do good. The good that God has for you to do in whatever aspect of your life you are in. The second is the fence of God's love that surrounds our life. Do you, read, do you realize that we are fenced in? Or we should be? Like a bull in a pen that you don't want running all over the place. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. For the love of Christ controls us. That's the point. You're hedged in. And if you have the love of Christ on you and you're living for Him and you're surrounded by Him, that love in all its goodness should be controlling you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And He died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. 
Jesus died for you. Are you living for him? Does he control you in the best way possible? And third, that fence, that shape of Scripture creates a dividing line between worldliness and God's truth. John chapter 18, verse 37. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come to the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. There's your dividing line. Do you listen to his voice or another voice? The lesson is called the shape of Scripture. The three points are the world, the church, and the mission. I hope, if anything, this encourages you to continue to be molded by our Heavenly Father in all of life's aspects and to use each other as we all need help to make sure we are fitting that mold. If anybody is in any needs or prayer requests, please come forward now as together we stand.